Notice with me this scripture, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The Bible tells me that Paul and Silas attempted to go to the region of Bithynia. It's located in what is today modern-day Turkey, the northern coast of Turkey, near the Black Sea. And, but the Spirit of God did not allow them to do that. You see, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, I am he that opens and no man can shut, but I'm also he that shuts and no man can open. And if God has closed the door, you're wasting your time to try to force it open. You might as well move on. But on the other hand, when God closes one door, I have often seen that he'll open another. And so later, Paul in the city of Troas had a vision, and a man from Macedonia appeared to him saying, come and help us. So Paul and his companion Silas, they immediately went to Philippi, which was one of the main cities in the region of Macedonia. And they had a very humble beginning, very, very small beginning, but don't despise the day of small beginnings. They, uh, they led one woman named Lydia to the Lord, and they delivered one demonized slave girl who told fortunes for money. And then, as the saying goes, all hell broke loose. <laughs> you know, you can go to some nice little town, and it, the people seem real pleasant. It seems like a nice place to live, and just, just people seem real friendly. And then you start to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you find out that, you know, that little town is owned and operated by the devil himself. <laughs> and all kinds of opposition comes up against you. You know, demons get aroused when you preach the name of Jesus, you see. And so the men who had monetized, you know, making a living off of somebody else's demonic bondage, they were furious. They, you know the story. They arrested Paul and Silas, commanded them to be beaten. They were unjustly sentenced and thrown in jail, their feet were fastened in the stocks in the innermost prison. And I'm sure you're familiar with this story. And you know, this is not something new, but it's just something renewed to hear it again. That, you know, if Paul and Silas were like most Christians that we know, they would have just complained. They would have moaned and groaned. Paul would have said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord why he allowed this to happen to me. And Silas would have said, come on, Paul, don't blame God. You know you didn't really have a vision. That must have been the devil to confuse you. And, and Paul would have said, yeah, I guess I missed it. I'm so sorry, you know. And, and, and they would have just wept and wailed and just spent the rest of their lives in that prison house. But they were not like most Christians. See, if you want to live in the miraculous, you have to do things others are not willing to do. If you want to see the supernatural power of God, you have to subdue your feelings and you have to live by faith. That means you have to do what the Bible says even when you don't feel like it. So they prayed, but that's not all. They sang hymns to God. The Passion Translation says they sang songs of praise to God. They praised God. Woo. 
And the Bible says the prisoners heard them. Their fellow prisoners were listening. So that means they didn't do it quietly, timidly. Some people in church say, well, I praise God, you know, but I praise God my way. You know, when I'm in the shower, I really sing to the Lord. Well, listen, you know, you need to, you need to let your voice be heard. Hallelujah. They, they weren't ashamed. Jesus wasn't ashamed to die for you. Don't you be ashamed to live for him. Hallelujah. And so, and so they praised him with a loud voice. People heard them. But the prisoners weren't the only people listening. Someone else heard them. God in heaven heard their praise. Hallelujah. And he responded. God always responds to praise. I said, God always responds to praise. Praise from a pure heart and for sound motives. And the Bible says in Acts 16, 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. See, God said, Jesus said, I'm the one who closes doors. I'm also the one who opens doors. So he closed a door here, and then now I'm going to open some doors. Hallelujah. He can open your prison door too. And I love that. It says, and suddenly. You know, some things take time, and there's a progression. Prosperity is often that way. But then some things can happen suddenly. Not everything has to take five years. Not everything has to take five months. God can do some things in a night. God can turn your situation around in a moment of time. It's not impossible for God to do that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and the thing that strikes me about this story, many things, but one thing is this. Every door was open. Every prison door was blown off its hinges. Everyone's chains were loosed. Everyone. Now, I know that Paul and Silas were unjustly sentenced, uh, that, that, that they had not done anything wrong. They did not deserve to be in prison. But surely some of those other folks, some of those other inmates got what they deserved. They deserved to be in prison. But God opened their doors too. God unfastened their chains also. Why? Because it's all because of his mercy. Don't ever get away from the fact that God wants to demonstrate his goodness to people who have not been good. None of us deserve even the smallest miracle in our life. We don't even deserve the smallest favor from the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't ever think that, well, I'm an apostle. I deserve you know, this kind of a miracle. I'm a pastor. I deserve this kind of thing. Don't ever get into that kind of thinking. That will rob you of the grace of God. No, it's just because God is good. Hallelujah. And because we trust him and we obey him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At any rate, nobody left. The jailer came in fearing for his life because he's responsible. He was attempting to commit suicide. He didn't want the Romans to kill him. And uh, Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And think about it. That's a greater miracle yet. Can you imagine? Can you imagine at the central jail, at the walls crumbled and every door was open and the prisoners just sat there in their cell? No, are you kidding? You know, this is Dimapur. I mean, they, they, 
man, they would be running in 17 different directions as fast like a chicken on fire. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? But they're all, why, why do you suppose that happened? Why do you suppose they, they all just stayed in their cell? I think they knew that this was God who did this. I think there was a reverence in their heart, a respect for the things of God. Hallelujah. And there's another point. When you praise the Lord, it not only affects you, it affects others. These men's lives were touched because someone in their surroundings was not afraid to praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, your praise can change your household. Amen? You're, sometimes we're praying, but we're forgetting to praise. Hallelujah. Your praise can have a positive impact even in your vicinity, your compound, your, your colony, your area. The songs of rejoicing, hallelujah, are heard in the tents of the righteous. Amen. So what, what kind of sound is heard in your tent? Hello? I guess that was a rhetorical question. What kind of sound is heard in your tent? What kind of, are there songs of deliverance in, in your dwelling? Hallelujah. Or do we just hear like ACDC coming from your bedroom? Huh? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. If you can't praise God on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, I doubt very seriously you're going to praise him in jail. Paul and Silas praised God more boldly in prison with their backs bleeding than some of you did tonight. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down. Hallelujah. Think about it. Just to recount the story, an angry mob beset them, attacked them, ripped their clothes off, beat them with rods. And what did God do? Nothing. Then they, had, they were unjustly condemned in a kangaroo court. And what did God do? Nothing. Then they were thrown in jail. Their feet were fastened in chains in the innermost prison, like in the dungeon. And what did God do? Nothing. God didn't do anything until they began to pray, but that's not all, began to praise. He began, they, he responded to their praise. There's liberating power in praise. I said there's liberating power in praise. You've probably heard it said before, but if you complain, you will remain, but if you will praise, you will be raised. Hallelujah. If you're not happy where you are right now in life, it's time to praise God. Well, I don't feel like praising God. I'm sure they didn't feel like praising God either. Hallelujah. Come on, think about it. Their backs are bleeding. They're, they're bruised. And they're praising God. See, the Greek word that's translated like saying hymns means celebration. It doesn't mean they're singing some sad song. Come on, they weren't singing country and western music. I lost my dog. My wife ran away with the milkman. Lost my job. My pickup truck got stolen. They weren't singing songs like that. They were singing songs of celebration and praise. They weren't singing the blues. They were rejoicing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Woo. 
Many years ago, a team from our church traveled to uh, Arunachal Pradesh, and we held some meetings in a church there. And then we made the long journey back to Nagaland. And when we got to uh, one part of Assam, the police stopped us, and they said, there's a bond, and you cannot proceed. And it's impossible, you just, you, and you just have to stop right here. And it was nighttime, it was late at night. And we weren't the only one. Uh, we were in a rented bus, but there were other buses and, you know, their cars and all kinds of transportation. And people were all just lined up in this long queue. And, uh, and somebody went and talked to them. And they said, no, you just have to stay here tonight, spend the night. And we had, we had been traveling a long time. You know, it was a long journey. And I said to the team, some of the team members, I said, I am not spending the night in this bus, I'm going to spend the night in my own bed tonight. And they just kind of looked at me like, like well, he, there he goes again, losing his temper, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I, said, uh, I, said, I said, we're going to pray together. We're, we're standing around outside our bus. I said, we're going to pray together. And so they, the team gathered together. We prayed, you know. And then I said, now let's praise the Lord. And we began, all of us, I mean, I don't remember, there was a small team, but we began to praise God. And the prisoners heard us. In fact, one, one bus with, with another team from some other thing, they were, they were mocking us. They were making fun of us. They were, like, they were like, you know, doing like we were, they were like, you know, ridiculing us, you know, the way we were praising God. Huh? But suddenly... Suddenly, the Assam police notified us that the police from Nagaland, oh, God bless them, came. They had sent a team from, from Dimapur, and they were going to escort us the rest of the way. Hallelujah. And so we all went, including the mockers. See, God opened their prison door too. All of them, we all went together, and I slept in my own bed, just like I said. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Several years ago, my oldest son expressed his desire to spend, to graduate from high school in America. And I, I told him that, you know, it's very difficult. You know, your mother and I are living here. Your brother and sister are here. You know, it's just, but he was, he was set on that. He, he had just made up his mind and it was his heart's desire. And, and so I said, well, all right then. And so we went to America and we, uh, we enrolled him in one really good Christian high school, uh, fine people there. And, uh, but he's got no place to stay. Hmm? Um, we, you know, we had a house, but it was not in that state. So that, that, that won't work for him. And, and he, he couldn't stay by himself. And, and unfortunately, I'm just sorry to say that, you know, family members and relatives and friends, nobody was willing to take him. And it just was kind of sad. But we, we contacted the school administrator. And she, she dealt with students coming from other countries, you know. And she assured us that, that she would find a, a host that would take him in. And he could stay with those folks and, and go to this school. And so, you know, we, we had our hopes set on that. But after several weeks of, of, of making various attempts... One night she informed me there, there's, there's nobody that's willing to take him. And I just felt so hurt in my heart. I guess I felt hurt for several reasons. One, 
I'll just be honest with you. You know, it's one thing that I'm called, but there's another thing when your family, you know, they, they have to make sacrifices too. In the ministry, sometimes it's like that. The family also has to make sacrifices. And I knew his heart was set on this. I knew this is something he really wanted. And to tell him that, sorry, son. I mean, especially painful to say, sorry, you know, nobody wants you. I just... I just, couldn't, I just couldn't bear that. And that night we were attending a special meeting, a revival meeting kind of like this in my own home church. And the guest speaker that night spoke on giving God praise, praising him for the answer. And my wife and I began to praise God with all of our hearts because this was, this was in our, on our minds regarding my son. And we just praised God with abandon. You know, we weren't just like, you know, kind of just, okay, have a nice time type praise. No, we knew we were fighting a battle. And when, when when the service was over, I went back to our hotel room across the street. And the school administrator contacted me. And she said, I was in, I was taking a bath. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to take their son. I want you to host him. And she said, so you, you bring your son to my house. He's going to stay with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And she was so excited. She was so excited. She wasn't like remorseful. She was so excited because God had spoken to her. She said, it was, it's so amazing. I know I heard God speak to me. And I said, I don't doubt it, sister. Hallelujah. I'm glad he spoke to you. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And my son went on to graduate from that high school. Glory to God. Let me read to you another scripture tonight. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, you know, anything you're tempted to worry about is something you should be praying about. Big or small. Anytime you're tempted to worry about it, you're worried about your finances, you're worried about your future, you're worried about your family, you're worried about your children, whatever. That's something you should bring to the Lord. You should present your petitions to God. Amen? Some people say, well, the Lord knows everything. He knows my needs. Yes, he knows everything, but he also knows you need to officially present your petition to him. That's what prayer is, making your request known to him. But notice this, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the missing ingredient in our prayers. We could say praise is required for powerful prayers to work. Hallelujah. So a lot of times we're, we're doing a lot of praying. Oh God, oh God, do this, oh God, do this. But we're not doing a lot of praising. We're not doing a lot of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Amen. Now some people can, you know, sing a thankful song in church. But what about when there's no music? What do you do when the music stops? What do you do when you're alone in your room? That's where the battle is won or lost often. Amen? Praise the Lord. Mark eleven twenty four tells us how to pray effectively. Believe you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe you have received it. 
the thing you asked for, and it will be yours. Most Christians are believing they're going to receive in the future, and that's not what Jesus said. He said, believe. The New Jerusalem translation says, believe that you have it already, and it will be yours. Amen. See, faith works on this principle. You believe it's yours before you have it, and then it will be yours. That's how faith works. Nobody ever felt saved until after they believed. The believing comes before the having. The having comes after the believing. And if you really believe that God has heard and answered your prayer, you would be thankful. People, if you're praying for money, well, I need, I need one like rupees. I, I have this debt to pay or whatever it is. I, you know, I have this bill to pay. I need one like rupees. If somebody handed you a check, a bank draft for, you know, one like rupees, would you go, oh, thanks. Hmm. I hope you wouldn't do that in ingrate. I, I'd hope you would be joyful. I hope that you, you would be thankful. And, and not only thanking the person, but also especially thanking God. Amen? Well, if God, if you heard a vo- if you prayed, oh Lord, heal me. And you heard a voice from heaven saying, you are now healed. What would you do? Would you say, uh, promises, promises. No, no, I, I'm sure that you would, I'm sure, I, I think you would rejoice. I mean, if you've got anything in you, I think you would rejoice. Well, you don't need to hear a voice from heaven. You already have a voice from heaven. You're holding it in your lap. You have the word of God, the written word of God. The Bible is God speaking to us. Hallelujah. And you have precious, exceedingly great and precious promises by which you are partakers of the divine nature. Glory to God. So if you believe it, you can praise him for it even before you see it. Hallelujah. Most people are waiting to have the answer, and then they're going to praise God. Well, you may be waiting 100 years if you live that long. Because that's not what the Bible teaches us. Amen. Hallelujah. So praise is the language of faith. I said praise is the language of faith. We are called to live by faith. Faith is a normal lifestyle of the Christian. Faith is not something we use only in an extreme emergency. Faith is something we use every day. And since praise is part of the faith life, we should be also living a life of praise. We should be people not only of faith, but people of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you can't praise God for more than five seconds, then you need to increase your praise vocabulary. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. No, no, you need to, you're not spending enough time praising God. You need to increase your praise vocabulary. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just like that. Not even five seconds. Amen. Are you out there today? Amen. In her book, Healing from Heaven, Lillian B. Yeomans tells of a missionary to China who contracted smallpox. And the doctors told her, this was many years ago, but the doctors told her she would probably die. And even if she didn't die, she would be severely disfigured for the rest of her life because of the disease. She began to pray, 
And the Lord gave her a vision of two baskets. One was full, full of her petitions, her prayers, the things she's asking God for. And the other one was empty, and it was labeled praise. And she was told, fill up the empty praise basket, and you'll be healed. So in the hospital, she began to sing and praise God. The the halls were ringing with shouts and songs of praise. The doctors thought she was delirious. The prisoners heard them. But in the end, the smallpox vanished without even leaving so much as a single scar. And then the Lord gave her another vision. The praise basket was filled to overflowing. I feel that there are unanswered prayers in this room. Long-standing requests. And when you will fill up your praise basket, you'll see the breakthrough. That's the missing ingredient. Hallelujah. Let me read to you another scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. 1 Peter 1, verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Faith is not believing what you see. That's just human reasoning. Faith is believing what you do not see. Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, Thomas said, unless I can see the hole in his nails, unless I can put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Jesus appeared to him eight days later and said, all right, put your finger in the hole. If I was Jesus, I would have said, Thomas, you're blessed because I have appeared to you. You've seen me. But Jesus didn't say anything about Thomas being blessed. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. One translation says happy. That means when you believe, just because God said so, it'll make you happy. Praise the Lord. Faith faith demands no more evidence than the testimony of God's word. And if you really believe, you will rejoice. I said, if you really believe, You will rejoice, and Peter says, with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Some people, they rejoice, but it's not filled with glory. It's filled with something else. Hallelujah. One translation says, a glorious joy that is too much for words. Too much for words. Hallelujah. The easy-to-read version says, You are filled with a wonderful and heavenly joy that cannot be explained. (laughs) That means there's a kind of joy that doesn't make sense. Then it's not, it's not logical that you should be happy right now. Everything is against you. Everybody's opposing you. You don't have any money. You're sick in your body. You know, your wife is, is running away with your best friend and, and, you know, and there's no reason for you to be happy, but you've got a joy that's too deep for words, an indescribable joy. Hallelujah. And you're not rejoicing because of how you feel or what you see. It's what you know to be true. Hallelujah, because you believe. Woo. Joy is one of the clearest indicators of faith. 
Joy and peace always accompany faith. Some people are joyless or are nearly so, and yet they try to convince you how much faith they have. Well, I'm a deacon. And I've studied Greek and Hebrew. And I believe. I believe God. I'm believing right now. And it's... it's, it's <laughs> But real, real faith produces real joy. When there's little joy and little rejoicing, it comes from little faith. Your rejoicing is the measure of your believing. When people give God small praise, it's because they're believing for small things. We can tell, we can tell by your reaction. If somebody walked up and handed you something and you were jumping and leaping and running around the building, we would all stop and say, what, 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 what did he give you? What did, he must have given you one crore rupees or he gave you the keys to a new car. What did he give you? He gave you an iPhone. Hallelujah. That's what he... <laughs> On Saturday, <laughs> on Saturday, the students gave me a brand new iPhone, an iPhone 13 Pro Max Super, whatever it's called, you know. And, and, and a lot of the church members also helped out, and it's really amazing. I was expecting maybe a picture of myself, but <laughs> that's usually what it is, but wow, right? So we could tell by your reaction. If somebody handed you something, you kind of go, then maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a stick of gum or something like that, right? So what do you believe in God for? Pray the Lord. Evidently not much. Maybe you don't have more because you don't believe more. Maybe you need to be reminded that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we ask or think, dream of, hope for, or imagine. Maybe the problem is not that God is holding you back, but that you're holding him back. Maybe God wants to do for you a whole lot more than you want him to do for you, but you don't dare to believe and ask him for more. You're afraid that you might embarrass God. You're not gonna embarrass God by asking for something too big. You might embarrass him for asking something too small. I'd rather, I'd rather aim at the stars and hit the moon than aim at the ground and hit it right on the target. <laughs> In other words, maybe if I didn't get the, the, the best, but I still got a lot, it'd be better than just believe God for nothing and get all of it. Where there is faith, there is expectation. What are you expecting? Hmm. Well, nothing in particular. That's what you're going to get, nothing in particular. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So maybe instead of complaining about your life, 
Friend, if you could get your miracle by complaining, you would have had it five years ago. <laughs> Obviously, that's not the answer. <laughs> Amen. Maybe you need to believe God and give him praise. Let your praise basket be filled. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Say, notice, notice, I read to you 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Notice verse 9. It says, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Obtaining. See, this verse 9 is connected to the previous verse. Our rejoicing is connected to our receiving. See, many people believe, but there's no results. Praise will push it through. Praise is the accelerator. Praise will cause the answer to come quicker. If you've been waiting for a long, long, long time, Lord, I'm growing old now. Maybe it's time to praise. There will be an acceleration of events when you praise God. You're pushing the envelope. You're involved in a spiritual activity. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone can praise God when something good happens. But people of faith praise God in the hard times. Just ask Paul and Silas next time you see them. Praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. In the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, after the death of Joshua... The people asked the Lord, who shall go first to fight the Canaanites? And the Lord said, send in Judah, the tribe of Judah. And I think there's a, there's a, a symbolic thought here. Because in Hebrew, Judah means praise. The word Judah means praise. We fight our battles first with praise. Hallelujah. The leader of the nation was gone. The times had changed, but there was still much territory to take. So Judah, the tribe named Praise, went first. When we praise God, we gain ground spiritually. Praise will take us into new places. I feel there are new spiritual realities for us to experience but we've got, to, we've got to go beyond where we've been before. We praise God at a certain level, and we need to go beyond that. The Bible talks about praising the Lord exceedingly. Let them rejoice exceedingly. What does that mean? Go beyond the limit. Well, what is the limit? Well, God didn't place any limit on you. God didn't put any limits on your praise. Maybe society has, maybe the church culture has, maybe the person sitting next to you has, maybe your family has. It's time to exceed those limits, go beyond them. That means if you want to go new places, you're going to have to praise God like you've never praised him before. Hallelujah. If you're stuck in a rut, the way to get out of it, one way is simply by praising the Lord. When you don't know what else to do, here's one thing you can do. Just praise God. Just begin to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember I heard this story. I attended one conference many years ago. And there was a, 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 a young Christian lady, young lady. And she, uh, 
she attended, uh, I think she was, I think rather she was maybe shopping, you know, in one mall or something. And she came out of the mall late at night and, uh, and her car was the only vehicle parked in the parking garage or the parking area. And so she's walking briskly to her car and she noticed some young rough fellows following her, some rascals following her. So she quickly got in her car, you know, locked the door. But she went, when she went to start the car, it wouldn't start. And those young men surrounded her car. She's there alone. Nobody, nobody there but, but she. And her car won't start. And this is before cell phones and all of that kind of thing, you know. And, and some of the guys were even like sitting on the, the, the bonnet of her car, kind of rocking it and that type of thing. And they're alone. See, that's at midnight, they praise God. At midnight, that's the darkest hour. The darkest hour, the hour of trial. And in, that, in her car alone, I can imagine the fear she must have felt. She prayed, but then she began to praise God. She lifted up both hands and she began to thank the Lord and just praise him. Hallelujah. Praise is a weapon. She put that key in the ignition one more time and turned and that motor started. And those young men looked scared and they ran away and she drove home. And when she got home, she asked her father to, to check on her car why it wouldn't start. And when they opened the bonnet, the battery was gone. I don't know if you know much about vehicles, but without the car battery, it don't start. It just don't start. That was a miracle. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, when I was a, a younger man, notice the word younger, younger than I am right now. When I was a younger man, I attended a Sunday morning service, and this was a Presbyterian church. Praise the Lord, right, all of you? It was a Presbyterian church, and, um, and the pastor told us that he and several other pastor friends went on a fishing trip. Our town was near the ocean, and so they, they hired a boat you know, chartered a boat, and they went out into the ocean, deep sea fishing. Well, I don't, know, I don't know how far they went, but they went out, you know, far from the coastline, and they're fishing, and while they're out there, they ran out of petrol. And again, I don't know how much you know about these things. There are no petrol stations in the ocean. <laughs> there are none out there. So if you run out of gas, run out of petrol, I should say, in the middle of the ocean, you're just adrift. And so they tried to start the thing. It's dry. The, the thing is bone dry. Somebody made a mistake. So these pastors, Presbyterian pastors, can you believe this? I guess some pastors, if they could just get away from their congregation, they would really praise God. Not me, of course, but <laughs> other people. So these pastors began to just spontaneously, no one told them to, they just began to praise the Lord. They just began to praise the Lord. Just lift up their hands, hallelujah, in that little boat. You know, when you're drifting, you know, miles from the shore, it's amazing how you can praise God when you have to. <laughs> they began to praise the Lord, just praising God, hallelujah. And they tried again, and that motor started. And so they said, well, whew, praise the Lord. You know, I don't know how that happened. Let's point the boat in the direction of land, and let's just, maybe we can get closer, and someone will see us, or the Coast Guard will uh, rescue us. So they, 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 they just kept going, and they're just still rejoicing. It's just a miracle. I don't understand how this happened. And they got all the way back to the dock, you know, and they unloaded. the. This is what the pastor told me. They unloaded the boat, and the motor's still running. The motor's still running. 
And, they, and, then, and then one of them reached in and he disconnected the tube that connects the motor to the gas tank, the petrol tank. He disconnected the tube and the motor kept running. It just kept running. There's no, there's no petrol flowing into the motor at all. And it just kept running. And the boat owner was like, I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> and after a while, they said, well, we all have to go home. So they just turned the motor off and went home. Now, if that can happen to a Presbyterian pastor, that can happen to anybody. I'm telling you, you do need to praise God. Hallelujah. Praise is a weapon. Praise releases the power of God. Hallelujah. 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 When Jehoshaphat faced a huge army from the surrounding nations, the Spirit of God told him in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, the battle is not yours, but God's. That's a word for somebody here today. The battle is not yours, it's God. See, the problem is sometimes we're trying to fight God's battles for him. He don't need you to fight for him. Huh? You're the praiser, he's the performer. You do the praising, he does the performing. You're not the mountain mover. He's the mountain mover. You're just the believer. You believe he moves the mountain. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. You cannot fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. So never bring a knife to a gunfight. Right? Some people are trying to solve all of their own problems. Trying to figure it out. Trying to, trying to, trying to work it out just in the flesh and getting nowhere. The battle is the Lord's. Ooh. In fact, the Spirit of God told them, you won't even have to fight this time. Just go out there. Stand and see the salvation of your God. Ooh. Sometimes all you got to do is just show up and stand. And God will take care of it. <laughs> you just got to show up and stand and God will take care of it. Hallelujah. So here's the thing that's so interesting. Then King Jehoshaphat appointed praisers to march ahead of the army singing songs of praise to God for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever he decided to send the church choir to the battlefield he sent the praise and worship team out in the middle of the fight hallelujah but the Bible says in verse 22 2nd Chronicles 20 verse 22 and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. See, when they began to praise God, the enemies turned on themselves. They began to fight one another. Your praise throws the devil into confusion. I said, your praise throws the devil and the powers of darkness into confusion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, the enemy expects you to cry. He he's putting pressure on you. 
he, he's, trying to, he's telling you a lot of lies. You're never going to make it. You're never going to succeed. Your ministry is never going to grow. You're never going to get married. If you do get married, you'll be 80 years old. And he's telling you all these things, and he wants you to cry. He wants you to, to, to weep and wail. But when you make the choice to rejoice, that throws the demons into confusion. That's not what they were expecting you to do. But the Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into various tests and trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, patience, steadfastness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you're sad and gloomy and depressed, the demons rejoice. And when you rejoice, the demons are sad and gloomy. So I've decided I've been sad enough already. It's their turn now. <laughs> I said, it's their turn. I'm going to rejoice. Hallelujah. They, they, they wiped themselves out. The, the enemy killed themselves. They didn't have to do anything, just like God said. And it took three days to gather all the spoil. In other words, God not only delivered them and preserved them from annihilation, he prospered them and promoted them. There was so much stuff to gather, it took three days to get it all in. God can do the same for you. It's not in my notes, but I want to give you one more verse. Philippians 3.1. And it's fitting that Paul would write this to the people in Philippi. Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. There's no doubt Paul must have been thinking about his own experience. I'm sure the Spirit of God brought that to his mind. Finally, here's the last thing I want to say. He's been talking about so many things. He says, finally, one more thing, brothers. Rejoice in the Lord. Whew. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Now, see, some people are concerned that we might praise God too much. Uh, careful there. Brother John, you're preaching too much. We may be praising too much. Uh, it's okay. But you know, be careful. Be careful. But Paul said, it's safe for you. It's not dangerous. It's safe for you. Friend, the danger is not that we would praise God too much. The danger is that we would not praise him enough. That's the danger. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you knew what happened in the spirit realm when you praised God, you'd do it every day. Because while you're praising God here in this house, God is working in your house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me to your feet right now?